0: Welcome to Conference Coverage, presented by ReachMD Radio on XM160 and powered by Health Day, featuring the latest clinical information and research findings from the Radiological Society of North America's 96th Scientific Assembly and Annual Meeting, November 28th through December 3rd in Chicago. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, your host.
1: And I'm Sue Berg. This year's RSNA meeting attracted over 50,000 participants to Chicago, including radiologists, radiation oncologists, physicists in medicine, radiologic technologists, and allied healthcare professionals from around the world. The conference highlighted recent advances in radiology, with over 1,700 scientific papers presented in 16 subspecialties, as well as 232 refresher courses, nearly 2,000 education exhibits, and 679 scientific posters.
0: In one study, researchers at Brigham and Women's Hospital, in collaboration with the Boston University Center for the Study of Traumatic Encephalopathy, found that magnetic resonance spectroscopy may help diagnose chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE. CTE is a degenerative brain disease caused by repeated brain trauma and marked by a buildup of abnormal proteins in the brain. Currently, CTE can only be definitively diagnosed after death by an autopsy. This study may be an important first step toward the development of objective, non-invasive diagnostic tests to stratify the risks of repetitive head injury. The investigators used magnetic resonance spectroscopy, or MRS, to evaluate five retired professional athletes, including football, wrestling, and boxing professionals, with a history of concussions and cognitive symptoms associated with CTE, as well as age- and size-matched controls between the ages of 32 and 55 years. The MRS scans revealed that, compared with the brains of control patients, former athletes with suspected CTE had increased levels of choline, a cell membrane nutrient that signals the presence of damaged tissue. MRS also revealed altered levels of the neurochemicals GABA, aspartate, glutamate, and its derivative glutamine in the brains of former athletes. By helping to identify these neurochemicals, the MRS approach may broaden our understandings toward the pathophysiology of CTE. The lead investigator of this study said the ability to diagnose CTE could help athletes of all ages and levels as well as veterans who suffer mild brain injuries, which often go undetected. Recently, researchers at Boston University found evidence of CTE in a 21-year-old football captain at the University of Pennsylvania who committed suicide in April 2010. Previous findings from this research group have already led to significant changes in safety measures for professional football as well as for collegiate and youth sports.
1: Researchers have found an apparent association between obstructive sleep apnea and increased risk of a more aggressive form of atherosclerosis. For this study, investigators used Coronary Computed Tomography Angiography, or CCTA, to evaluate 49 obese patients average age 61 years with obstructive sleep apnea, as well as 46 obese patients without the condition. The data reveal that patients with obstructive sleep apnea had a significantly higher prevalence of non-calcified and mixed plaques compared to patients without the condition. Investigators concluded that if these findings are confirmed by larger prospective trials, CCTA may emerge as a useful non-invasive tool for diagnosing non-calcified and mixed plaques. They added that technological advancements are lowering the radiation dose required for CCTA, making this exam a potentially good screening tool for obese individuals at increased risk for cardiovascular disease. This study's lead author disclosed financial relationships with pharmaceutical and medical device companies.
0: Researchers in San Francisco, using T2 MRI exams to measure knee cartilage, report that light exercise, and in particular frequent walking may protect individuals with risk factors for osteoarthritis. The investigators evaluated more than 130 asymptomatic participants at risk for knee osteoarthritis who were enrolled in the National Institutes of Health Osteoarthritis Initiative, as well as 33 age and BMI match controls. Participants were separated into three exercise levels, sedentary, light exercisers, and moderate to strenuous exercisers, and three strength training groups, none, minimal, and frequent. MRI exams revealed that light exercisers had the healthiest knee cartilage among all exercise levels, and patients with minimal strength training had healthier cartilage than patients with either no strength training or frequent strength training. MRI exams also revealed that frequent knee-bending activities, including more than 30 minutes of deep knee squats and kneeling, or climbing more than 10 flights of stairs every day, were associated with more cartilage abnormalities. This was found in people at risk for osteoarthritis, as well as in healthy individuals. One author of this study disclosed a financial relationship with Merck and company.
1: According to researchers in the U.K., women between the ages of 40 and 50 who undergo a yearly mammogram appear to have a lower risk of requiring a mastectomy following breast cancer. At the London Breast Institute at the Princess Grace Hospital in London, investigators reviewed the records of 156 women in this age group who were diagnosed with breast cancer and treated with either mastectomy or breast-conserving surgery. 73% of the 156 women who were treated for breast cancer received no prior mammograms. Of the 27% who had prior mammography... Only 10% had a mammogram within the past year, in accordance with the American Cancer Society guidelines. Only three of the 16 women who received a mammogram within the last year were treated with mastectomy. Comparatively, mastectomy was the required treatment in 64 out of 140 women who had not received a mammogram in the past year. Investigators concluded that women in their 40s who had mammograms within the last year underwent mastectomy at a rate of less than half of the women whose last mammogram was more than a year ago and those who had never had a mammogram. Currently in the U.K., there are no national guidelines recommending routine breast screening for women in their 40s. In the United States, the American Cancer Society's recommendation that women start annual mammograms at age 40 differs from the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, which said in 2009 that for women aged 40 to 50, the benefits of mammograms do not outweigh the
0: potential harm. Increased visceral body fat appears to be negatively associated with bone health, potentially serving as a risk factor for osteoporosis among premenopausal women. That was the finding of researchers at Massachusetts General Hospital and colleagues. Obesity has been thought to protect against osteoporosis, despite being a risk factor for cardiovascular and metabolic disease. The purpose of this study was to evaluate the association between visceral fat, bone marrow fat, and abdominal fat depots with bone marrow density in obese premenopausal women. Researchers used CT scans to measure bone loss and MR spectroscopy to evaluate bone marrow fat in 50 premenopausal women with various body mass indexes. They found that women with increased abdominal fat had higher levels of bone marrow fat and decreased bone mineral density. However, investigators did not find a significant correlation between subcutaneous, or total fat, and bone marrow fat, or bone mineral density. Investigators said in a news release that having a lot of belly fat is more detrimental to bone health than having more superficial fat or fat around the hips. In addition to being a risk factor for heart disease and diabetes, excess belly fat may also be a risk factor for bone loss. Investigators at the University of Pittsburgh and
1: colleagues reported that walking seems to slow cognitive decline in healthy individuals as well as those with mild cognitive impairment or Alzheimer's disease. Researchers evaluated whether physical activity altered brain structure in 299 healthy adults and 127 cognitively impaired adults aged 78 to 81 on average. Throughout the nearly decade-long study, all patients received 3D MRI scans to assess brain volume and were administered many mental state exams to pinpoint cognitive decline over a five-year period. The investigators found that after nine years, higher levels of physical activity calculated in number of blocks walked were associated with greater volume in the brain's frontal, occipital, temporal, antorrinal, and hippocampal regions. Individuals with mild cognitive impairment, or Alzheimer's disease, needed to walk at least 58 city blocks, or approximately 5 miles per week, to maintain brain volume and to slow cognitive decline. Healthy individuals needed to walk at least 72 city blocks, approximately 6 miles per week, to maintain brain volume and significantly reduce the risk for cognitive decline. Investigators found that many mental state exam scores decreased by an average of five points in cognitively impaired patients who did not engage in a sufficient level of physical activity over five years. This was compared with a decrease of only one point in individuals who engaged in sufficient physical activity. Investigators concluded that five miles of walking per week protects the brain structure over 10 years in people with Alzheimer's and mild cognitive impairment, especially in areas of the brain's key memory and learning centers. They also found that these
0: individuals had a slower decline in memory loss over five years. The use of computed tomography, or CT, in the emergency department has increased at a higher rate than CT use in other clinical settings. This finding was based on an evaluation of the numbers and percentages of emergency department visits associated with CT scans based on data from the 1995 to 2007 National Hospital Ambulatory Medical Care Survey. Data was subcategorized according to multiple patient and hospital characteristics. Researchers found that between the years 1995 and 2007, the number of emergency department visits that included a CT examination Increased from 2.7 to 16.2 million. In addition, the percentage of visits associated with CT increased from 2.8 to nearly 14%. The use of CT in the emergency department increased more quickly than CT use in other settings. The investigators also found that CT use was higher in older patients, white patients, patients admitted to the hospital, and patients at facilities in metropolitan regions. By 2007, The top three reasons for ordering a CT scan in the emergency department were abdominal pain, chest pain, and headache. This study was published online in the journal Radiology to coincide with the RSNA meeting. In conclusion, the authors wrote that they found the use of CT in U.S. emergency departments to have increased at a consistent exponential rate and at a rate higher than that reported in other settings. Further, They said the increased use of CT is related to a higher frequency of scanning for the same indications reported in the past and an increased number of reasons to employ the technology.
1: Researchers reported that women with a personal history of breast cancer may benefit from annual MRI screening in addition to mammography. The American Cancer Society recommends annual MRI screening as an adjunct to mammographic screening in women who have sufficient genetic or family history. Currently, there is insufficient evidence to support screening MRI for women with a personal history of treated breast cancer. The purpose of this study was to compare the diagnostic performance of screening MRI in women with genetic or family history versus personal history of breast cancer. In a retrospective analysis, investigators evaluated initial screening breast MRI examinations of more than 1,000 women between January 2004 and June 2009, including 327 women with a genetic or family history of breast cancer and 646 with a personal history of treated breast cancer. Researchers found that MRI screening identified 25 of 27 cancers with a sensitivity rate of 92.6%. The cancer yield in women with a personal history of breast cancer was 3.1%, and it was 1.5% in women with a genetic or family history of the disease. The specificity in women with a personal history of breast cancer was 93.6% and was 86.3% among those with a genetic or family history of the disease. Biopsy was recommended in 9.3% of women with a personal history of breast cancer and 15% of those with a genetic or family history of the disease. The authors say that the diagnostic performance of MRI in patients with a personal history of treated breast cancer supports consideration of screening MRI as an adjunct to mammography. Additional studies are necessary to establish guidelines for screening this group
0: of women. Thank you for listening to conference coverage from the Radiological Society of North America's 96th Scientific Assembly and Annual Meeting, November 28th through December 3rd in Chicago. Conference coverage is a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD, and powered by HealthDay. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, co-host of Second Opinion Live on ReachMD XM160. And I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, the older, wiser host. Uh-huh. When we prepare for our show, we visit ReachMD.com. Where the medical news and information is always current. As opposed to your practice methods, ancient one.
1: Now, ReachMD has made it even easier to stay current with the informational and educational medical programming you need. Just log into ReachMD.com, go to the My Account section of the website, select Preferences, and with a few clicks of your mouse, tell ReachMD what you'd like to hear based on your specialty interests. ReachMD's database will then handpick your selections for you from over 7,000 catalog medical programs, CME,
0: and more. Now that's cool. It sounds like I can get exactly what I want based on my very refined taste in medical content. You have no taste, Matt. But our listeners certainly do, and we want them all to visit ReachMD.com and start receiving their own customized content. And don't forget to tune in to Second Opinion Live on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals.